You are listening to a message by Travis Scott from our gatherings at Shorebreak. Visit shorebreakchurch.com to get connected with more content. And if you would like to support the gospel being preached in Kona and to thousands online, your tax-deductible donation enables us to further Jesus' mission. Partner with us by giving at shorebreakchurch.com backslash give. Mahalo. Um, how you guys doing there? You guys doing all right? Everyone's doing okay? All right, good. Um, hey, we are going through a series uh, through the book of Colossians, of which we have called Christ in Everything. And that is really what we're pursuing, what we're seeking to do through the book of Colossians, is that we would recover Christ and all that we do. And it's so easy, even as God's people, as God's children, to uh, get comfortable in Christianity and completely miss Jesus. That I have spent years in my walks with God and I have neglected, uh, failed to think about and set my sights upon the very one who saved me. And so that is why we are doing what we are doing in the book of Colossians. Because Paul is talking to those who are faithful saints, those who love Jesus, those who have been transformed by the grace of God. That even in their state as faithful saints, we can so quickly be diverted from the gospel of which we first believed. And here's the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning. You never outgrow your desire and need for the gospel. That if you are a Christian in here this morning, and I I know there's some pushback against that because there was for me in many years of my life. It's like, I'm a believer. I get the gospel. Now give me some things to do. No, that's not Christianity. That is religion. Christianity is that all of these things have already been done for you. And so let the gospel so grip and wrap around your heart that you would be transformed and that you would see God for who he is in the scriptures and see what Jesus has done for you. It's seeing Jesus, beholding Christ in all things, in all areas of life. And that is, of course, never more true um, as we continue throughout our verses and This morning, we find ourselves and talking about children and parents, children and parents. Now, before we get into the message, uh, as far as talking about children and and parents, um, this is not supposed to be a comprehensive lesson on how to be a good parent. And, and how to be a good kid. There is a lot that could be said uh, in the scriptures alone about parenting and about the subject of parenting and being a child. Much to be said about that. However, we are looking at two verses this morning, and so that's where we're going to be focusing our attention. And if you are single, or you know, you're kind of you find yourself in this weird place, it's like great, I came to church this morning and they're talking about parenting and children. Um, remember that you are a child as well. That you are a child of the king on high and many of these truths still very much apply to you because you have a heavenly father who uh, would, would wants the best for you. And, and part of that is by you being obedient to the plans that he has written in scripture. So no matter where you are at in life, that is to be true. And to be sure of this too, maybe some of you, um, you know, empty nesters, right? Kids are gone, um, you know, kind of in this interesting stage in life. You, in Titus chapter 2, and even in Colossians, earlier in Colossians 3, we as the church are to collectively come together and to shepherd and care for and lead many other people. 
uh, in, in our church family. And so really no one is, uh, so don't, don't try to find like, you know, I'm going to escape out of this one. I'm going to try, okay, just put in cruise control, like get comfortable, knock out in my seat. No, don't do that. Like th- this message uh, is the word of God. It is the inspired word of God. And so God would have something to say to you even in these truths. So let's all stand right now for the reading of the word. We're going to pick it up in verse 20. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Gracious Heavenly Father, you are slow to anger, abounding in love and mercy towards us. You've given us your grace. You've offered us your son, Jesus, so that we would come into relationship with you, so that we would have newness of life, so that we would be adopted, not as sons who are of the devil, which is who we once were, but that as we've been adopted into your family, we are now part of you, that you would be our father and that you would love us and that we would love you back and that in doing so, we would be obedient to you as your children. So God, help me to be obedient in the scriptures, with the scriptures this morning that you've spoken. Help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to faithfully declare what you have said. And Jesus, we ask now that you would pour out your love. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus this morning. And yet, why do we feel condemned? God, we need your gospel. God, we need your grace. So would you awaken our souls to these truths? And as we get real practical and and some of these things that we're going to be talking about in Colossians, we do pray that you would help our minds to be molded and shaped and to think biblically about being a child and about being a parent. So God, would you be glorified in this time through the reading of your scriptures and through the declaration of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, you guys can be seated. Christ is supreme over all creation. That is the, the, the single note Paul has been hampering on and trying to drive home this entire book throughout this entire book of Colossians. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord of lords. He is the father, the ruler of all things in creation. He is to be supreme over everything. He holds all things together. That is really what Paul sets up in, in actually the first two chapters of the book. And then, and then, of course, he moves on to not only is Christ supreme over everything, but Christ Jesus, the king of the universe, has made you alive in him has awoken you up, has breathed on your dead bones and put flesh on your skin and you have had life and you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus. You've been made alive. 
So Jesus is supreme, you've been made alive in him. And then when Christ is in everything, as we see Christ in everything, what does it look like to see Christ and everything working itself out in your life and in my life in the day to day? And of course, the first thing he gets practical on is, is, is marriage. What does it look like to have Christ in your marriage? What does it look like to have a gospel-centered, Jesus-focused marriage? And he says marriage should look like, verses 18 and 19, wives submitting to their husbands as it is fitting to the Lord, and husbands loving your wives and not being harsh with them. Now, we don't have time, of course, to go back and to revisit all those things. We've got a lot of ground to cover today. Um, so if, if you have some questions, uh, very, if you weren't here last week, definitely listen to the message uh, at a later time. But your ability to parent well begins with a man who loves his wife. Do you see the cadence of scripture there? Christ is in everything. God has made you alive. And now your ability for the gospel first to work itself out in marriage and then outside of marriage, what's next is, is, is parenting. And if you are going to be a good parent, it begins with husbands loving their wives and wives submitting to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Or agapao in the Greek. That is to behold, to love dearly to welcome, to entertain your wife, all of those things. And of course, that also is true for us to be effective and God-glorifying parents is that wives would be submissive to their husbands. Now, husbands, do you perfectly love your wives? Like no one's raising their hand right now. Single people, what does that tell you? Marriage isn't gonna be the answer to all your problems, okay? Because a lot of the single people are here like, man, if I was just married, and then some of the married people in here were like, man, if I was kind of single again, right? Now, you might not say that, but, but that's how some people feel, at least. And now, husbands, do you perfectly love your wives? Well, of course not. Wives, do you perfectly submit to your husbands? Do you submit to your husband in all circumstances? No, right? De- definitely not. So not only are we broken in our relationships, you see that? We're broken in our relationships, but some are in their second marriage, third marriage, fourth marriage. Many keiki are growing up in homes out of wedlock or where parents, one or more of them are not present at all. And so no matter how You look at this, we're already fighting an uphill battle, right? If you're married, you're a sinner. If you're born out of wedlock, you have a difficult home you're being raised in. Financially, things are probably a bit more difficult. I mean, it's it's just hard any way you look at it. And so no matter what your home looks like, every soul and family in here this morning is in desperate need of the grace of God. You and I, we all collectively desperately need God's grace and the gospel to practically infuse itself within all of our relationships. Because the gospel doesn't just change individuals, though it does. It changes you. It gives you a new heart. It gives you new desires. But the gospel not only changes individuals, the gospel changes our communities. The gospel changes our relationships. See, the gospel brings transformation first in us, but the gospel also brings transformation 
through us. That is to say we are to love God and love our neighbor. Love God in us. Loving our neighbor. Gospel transformation through us. So let's take a look at what God has to say about parenting and children. Children, he says, obey your parents in everything. So before we go anywhere, uh, let's, 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 let's launch with the definition of, of children. Um, children, when we say children, cakey, kids, in this message, it's not a derogatory thing to start off with. Um, I have three kids, and, and you know, um, when we're at Costco and, and, or going different places in the store, we get the look, and, you know, and, um, some, of our, some of the guys on the team and some of you have even more kids than that, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, like the look. Like, do you know what causes that? No, I have no idea. Could you please explain it to me and my children while you're at it? That's what I feel like saying, right? I don't know. I mean, really? Come on. Like, but that's, that is what people say. In fact, I remember we were going on a walk on, on one of these trails and, and, uh, and, and we were talking to um, this, this guy that we had bumped into and he's like, yeah, my dog's my kid and he listens to me more than your kids. And I, there were so many things that wanted to come out of my mouth. But, but as though somehow children are negative, as though somehow children are an inconvenience, that is completely the opposite of what God has to say. Children are a heritage of the Lord. They're a, a, they are a wonderful, beautiful gift from God. But now, coming back to the text here, let's define children. If you are a child still living in your parents' home, no matter what age, that, that falls under the category of being a child. So if you are a 39-year-old dude playing a Xbox in the basement and mama's still doing your laundry, guess what? Fill in the blank. And I don't even care that I just offended you at all. Get a life. Seriously, that's you. We'll talk after, okay? We can help you. Jesus can help you in that. That You are a child. Now, even if you are maybe, let's just say, 24 um, you, got a, you got a job, and, and you're going to school or whatever, and you're trying to make ends, ends meet, and you're still living at home, you're paying rent, you would also fall under this category. Not in a negative sense, but you would, you would fall into this category because you are not the head of the house. Someone else is, and whoever the head of the house is in that home, that is who you are to obey. It's their house. They set the rules. They set the parameters. They set the boundaries. You need to obey. But now at the time Paul is writing this to the Colossians, the Colossian children and parents specifically, you were a child then, and you were expected to do things as a child all the way up until around ages 10 or 11. And somewhere around ages 10 and 11, you were expected to pull your own weight in the family. You were expected to work in the family business. You were expected to be finished up going to school because kids then went to a synagogue if they were, if they were Jewish. If they were Greek, it's another story. But if they were Jewish, that's what they had just finished up going to synagogue. They're finished with their studies in school. They're finished with learning about God. And, and they're expected right around 10 or 11 to begin to pick up the responsibilities of the home and in fact some would be engaged as young as 12 13 or 14 years old and be married some during that time time frame 
Now, of course, I am not suggesting by any means that that's what we should do today, right? At 10 years old, I was playing Donkey Kong and Zelda before and after school. I was not cut out for marriage, and I was not ready to pull my own weight at that age. However, this is what was expected of these people then. That they were expecting to carry their own weight, working in the family business. Now, when Paul says, children, if you are older, again, do not write off this message this morning, all right? Plus, if you are single, God may grace you and gift you with children one day. And so take notes. Know what you're going to be getting into. But verse 20, we read, children, obey your parents. Obey your parents. I know many kids have had this verse told to them by their parents. And it's not necessarily negative that, that parents are sharing verses with their kids. In fact, if you are sharing Bible verses with your children, you should be. That is one of the most important things you can be doing as a parent. However, obeying children, obey your parents is not the only verse in the Bible. And so let this not be the only verse you find when your kid is in the midst of rebelling saying, hey, don't forget what God says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, right? Because that sets up a framework that, that kids begin to perceive the word of God in a certain way. For some parents, this is the only verse they share with their children. And so parents, pull out this verse as though it's the trump card. Don't make me pull the Jesus move. Don't make me pull, play the Jesus card. Look what he said. Children, obey your parents. But many times that's exactly what we do. In fact, when I tap back into even my childhood, I see this verse through the lens of what I am doing wrong. Do you see it that way too? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. What am I doing wrong right now? What's going on? What, what, what am I doing wrong? How have I frustrated my parents, angered my parents again? That is the lens of which many of us interpret this verse. This verse has a negative tone carried with it. Not because of the Bible, but because of the way I grew to learn this verse. But when Paul says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, it's not so your butts don't get whooped. It's not so your phone doesn't get taken away or your gas allowance for driving around the car after school is removed. It's not so you don't get extra chores around the house because, you know, you're not obeying your parents. Children obeying your parents in everything, as Paul says here, is not negative. Please see that. This is not a negative verse. This is not just don't, don't, don't. Notice what the verse says again. Look down with me. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases. This pleases the Lord. This is how God crafted child, cakey, parent relationships. That obeying your parents is not to 
Keep your parents happy. Obeying your parents is not to appease your parents. Obeying your parents is how God designed the relationship as the creator of the universe. No other way around it. This is just how things are to work. And God, check this out, the God of the universe is pleased when you as a kid put to death your rebellion and instead put on the Lord Jesus Christ who helps you obey your parents even when it's near impossible. That the God of this universe, the God who created all things, who spoke with his words and everything was, that that God would be mindful of your obedience towards your parents. And and it pleases him. Put to death your rebellion. Put off and then put on the Lord Jesus Christ who will help you obey your parents. For this pleases the Lord. See, the idea here of what Paul is saying is negativity shouldn't be your motivation for obedience. But love, the love of God should drive you to obey. When I demand my children to obey me out of negativity, it usually doesn't go very well. But when I'm loving them, pouring into them, caring for them, out of love, obedience will flow. Out of love, obedience will flow. Now, not always and not perfectly. But to obey out of love and instead of out of negativity is a far more liberating way to do what God has commanded us to do in the scriptures. 1 John 5, 3 says this. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments, they're not burdensome. That when we love God, that when our heart, that deep within our soul, no longer is it, man, I, I have to do all of these things for God. And I, God, I got to figure all these things out. It's, God, you, you've, you've actually given me a new heart. That I would have new desires within me. And my desires are for your commands. And now your commands, I do them out of love. See, our obedience. Our effort in obedience should be driven by love for God. And, and, and in doing so, guess what? You realize, man, these commandments, they're no longer burdensome. They don't burden me. But they show me the heart of God in them. Children, obeying your parents is not for mom, dad, tutu, or whoever you live with. More than those Your obedience is for God, and it is for his glory. And when you do this, when you live for God's good pleasure in obeying your parents, listen, your joy is never more full. You are never more satisfied. You are never more happy when your obedience is not exclusively to your parents, but it's vertical. It goes to God. Obey your parents, children, because God gave your parents to love you, to shepherd you, and to protect you. But my parents are sinners. I don't want to obey them. Do you know how much they screw up? 
They think they know everything. They don't know everything, which that's another conversation for another message, another day. But yeah, so are you. You're a sinner as well. Kids, you are not perfect. I remember even being, being a teenager, man, like, man, I, I'm like one of the most sinless people around. Like I can see everyone else's sin but my own. Honestly, that's what I thought for a long time. Listen, your parents at times will be too tough. They will be. They will be too tough on you, and at other times, your parents will be too relaxed with you. They sin too, but I want you to know this. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all men sin. So stop focusing on your parents' sin. Stop focusing on the things that your parents have done and burned you. Forgive them. Let it go. God has given you his grace. God has given you the ability through the Holy Spirit to say, I'm not going to hold bitterness against them any longer for the divorce, for the, the wicked thing they said to me. I'm just going to let those things go. Whether they physically touched you, whether they verbally abused you, whatever those things look like you, through the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit can let go of those things and say, God, I'm I'm not going to hold those things against them any longer because they are sinners and because you know you are a sinner as well. Like kids, you don't know this because you don't remember it, but the moment you were born, the first thing you said was, me! That's a translation for a kid screaming. But that's pretty much what your life was all about. Me, what do I get? What do I want? I want to eat now. Everything's on my schedule. You want to sleep? I don't think so. I'm going to do this. The moment you were birthed into this world, all you thought about was you. You were born into iniquity, David said in Psalms. Born into iniquity. So was I. When you are obeying your parents, you are obeying your father and heaven, for this pleases the Lord. And when you are disobeying your parents, when you are rebelling against your parents, you are actually rebelling against your Father who is in heaven. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Changing gears now. Children, we're done with you. Parenting, specifically fathers, we're next. Let's go. Verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Fathers, fathers. Now, now notice what he, he says here when he says fathers. He's expecting that the father would would be in the home. The dad would be there. That you can't parent your kids without being with your children. And that's why, personally, me, I I was raised in in a divorced home. This reality was very difficult. Not just for me as a kid, which divorce hurts children more than it even does husband and wife but it affected my father in 
my mother, whom I both have a great relationship with and I, lo- I love dearly. But he says here, fathers. Why doesn't he mention moms? Because moms are parents too. Well, this is very true. No doubt mothers are parents and mothers are very needed. But men, men, the Bible, the scriptures hold you primarily responsible for the well-being of your family. You are the head. You are the leader. You are the main one responsible for your family. And this includes your children. The well-being of them. And you're the leader of the house. God has called you to create and cultivate an envir- the environment that they live in. That is your responsibility. In fact, after the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, you, you remember what happens. Adam and Eve, they sin, and the garden things are not going well. And at the fall, they run, they cover themselves as though somehow that covering their nakedness that, that God doesn't see through all of the, the sin they were trying to cover up. And God trying to draw Adam and Eve. He's trying to pull them closer to himself. What does God say? Adam, where are you? Now, God is sovereign. God knows exactly where Adam and Eve are. But notice what he says, Adam, where are you? Yeah, but Eve partook of the fruit first. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And when he says Adam, when God says Adam, he's almost saying like Adams, meaning the family of Adam. You, Adam, because you're the leader. Where are you at? God holds us men responsible for the well-being of our family and for the leadership of our family. Let the scriptures bring weight, fathers, to what God has called you to. So he says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Why would Paul need to say this? Because your kids are going to do things that are going to provoke you. It's going to happen. You will have legitimate reason for you to be frustrated with your kids. (laughs) And because your children are going to do things that will provoke you and anger you, Paul has to address this issue. And there are infinite stories that I could share about this within my own life. Like, I just told the kids, like kids, a couple weeks ago, don't shove the Legos uh, up your nose or in your knee ears because they were uh, trying to do that. And, and like, uh, like two minutes later, my youngest kid comes to me like, Daddy, crying. I'm like, what's the matter? He's like, I go, Legos here and here. I'm like, are you kidding? I just told you not to. And the very thing I just told you not to, that Legos do not go inside of your body. They stay outside of your body. And you're doing the very thing I just told you not to two minutes ago. Yeah. Okay, great, great. You know, um, this thing, I... I this thing that recently happened has been ridiculous in our family. And, um, and if this bothers you, whatever. Um, there's been a fart contest in our car. We have three boys in our car. And so first off, it, it's bad. I mean, it gets, and it's like, let's just throw five bodies inside of a hot car that's sealed off. And let's have a fart contest. No, thank you. So already it stinks 
horribly in our home. But not only does it stink horrible with the three boys that we have, each of the boys are fighting uh, whose fart smells the worst. And I am losing my mind. It already smells, and you're fighting about who smells the worst. No, this is ridiculous. And I, I lost it, man. I was just like, I mean, I, I, God is working on me still. But th- th- that I had to draw a line somewhere. I'm like, this is over now. This is over now. I mean, children do things to provoke you, parents. I'm like, one of our kids is flushing another brother's toys down the toilet. It blocked our water main that left the house. I had to call Roto-Rooter. I mean, fathers, parents, there are legit reasons for you to be angry. I am not saying you need to pretend like you're not angry because even inside, deep down, you're, you're still ticked. You're still frustrated. And even though we were made in the image and likeness of God, this includes our children, not just us, our children are in the struggle of trying to navigate this life trying to navigate this life through their own sin. And you, as parents, have a front row seat, which will make you very frustrated at times. And so when Paul says, fathers, do not provoke your children, what he is saying here is, Yes, you will be angry, but don't have exceeding anger. Don't provoke them any further than what is biblically necessary to deal with the sin that is in their life. Don't have exceeding anger towards your kids. Don't just let all of the other things of the day, you know, sometimes, you know, like I, I've come at home and, and, you know, there's clearly some things going on in the house because one of the kids just goes and he steps on the cracker on the floor and it breaks. And my wife is like, what? No. And I'm like walking home and say, it's just a cracker. But, but there was like 50,000 crackers that were broken earlier in the day uh, among other things that were thrown in the garbage and other things that were happening that have built up and so the cracker was just a straw that broke the camel's back right and 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 that's often what happens and so again it's this idea of not to provoke fathers specifically is not to allow all of the other sins that have been stacking up against us of which our children have done to use that as ammunition against them dads when we have rage against our children or even parents at large we're to cultivate, we're to build up, we're to shepherd, we're to lead, not to tear down, not to pull down brick by brick and leave their life with nothing. We're to pour into them. Now, we'll get on specific discipline stuff here in a few minutes, so don't, don't jump ahead of me on that, thinking I'm implying something that I'm, I'm not, but our parenting must be soaked in the radical grace of God. Our parenting needs to be soaked in the radical grace of God because here is what parenting does. Parenting awakens your need for the gospel, doesn't it? And the parents in here know this. Parenting awakens your need for the grace of God because you too are a child. You know that. 
Your kids aren't the only kids around. You are a child as well. And oh, how often do I see the struggle within my own children, all knowing that I am a child of God and that I, like my children, am still learning how to navigate through this life and still learning how to deal with my sin. I am in need of the gospel as a parent. And parent awakens my need for the gospel because I see my imperfections in my parenting and the way that I lead my kids. I still disappoint myself. I thought I would be a better dad. I thought I would have had things more figured out. (laughs) I am in need of the gospel. You are in need of the gospel. So what does... um, children or fathers do not provoke your children not look like what is he not saying here this doesn't mean don't be angry you can be angry but in your anger do not sin don't in your anger deal with your kids in the moment i mean this is this is for me i'm I'm preaching for myself right here like i will have to walk away from a situation that is just ridiculous that took place go walk away like it's gonna be okay god you're in control you're on the throne i don't have to lose my mind because in the moment in my anger oh man bad thing honestly i will say something or do something that i would regret honestly i have to cool down so um, that's what I have to do. But, but again, not provoking your children means you don't have to be angry. It means you can be angry, but you do not sin in your anger. Go cool off. Go collect yourself before you deal with the problem. What does this also not mean? To not provoke your children? This doesn't mean you withhold spanking from your children. Now, I know I'm stepping on a landmine right now, but for thousands of years, People have been spanking their children, but in the 21st century, well, we're more enlightened than everyone else, and we got things figured out. And yeah, how are our kids doing today? Is the not spanking method working on our kids? I'm not hitting on anyone here. I'm just saying it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And There is this conversation going around, even in Christian circles, well, maybe, you know, maybe there are alternatives to spanking. Spanking works, and let me tell you why spanking works, and spanking is the way that God has said. Because God has said, that's why it works. Spanking is a biblical principle, and I don't care if you're like, you're offending me right now. Let the, okay, the Bible is offending you. I'm not sorry because the Bible makes the issue. In fact, seven times in Scripture, seven times in the Scriptures, does the Bible specifically address the issue of dealing with discipline through a rod. Seven times. Interesting. Number of completions, seven. Does that tell you something? That, that, that in spanking, God's plan is in the rod. Now, of course, this doesn't mean, again, going back, we don't spank in anger, okay? Let, it, let us cool down before we bust out the, the rod and deal with the issue. It doesn't, again, mean that, you know, well, I'm just going to spank them and just deal with the problem. We have to explain to our children really what is going on. Um, seven times the Bible speaks of discipline through spanking. The most explicit is this. I want you guys to hear this. Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod, hear this, guys, please hear this. Whoever spares 
the rod, hates his son. You are bringing wrath upon your child and you are going to raise up someone who you would be very disappointed. Fast forward if you do not spank your children. In fact, it's unloving not to the Bible. The Bible says, whoever spares the rod from his, hate, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. If you want to provoke your children, let them get away with it. You want to provoke your kids to wrath? Let them get away with it. Let the leash go longer and longer and longer. Endorse the rebellion longer and longer and longer. Let there be no consequence for their actions, even though you counted to three, which for me, I don't do. My yes is my yes, my no is my no. I don't count to 10, I don't count to three. That's just how I roll. Dude, I said, I said do this. I'm going to tell you again, if you don't do it again, it's, we're going to deal with it. And... There have been times when it's like, okay, really? Let, let's see how this goes, Dad. All right, let's see how this goes. Pull down your pants. That's how it goes. And honestly, guys, spanking your children is not abusing your children. You can abuse your children in spanking. And, and hear me right now. I am not saying abuse your children. Yeah. <laughs> When you understand the biblical concept of, of discipline and not provoking your children to wrath, the spanking isn't just for the sake of a spank, but it is to shepherd and point in the right direction. Think of the image of a rod. You have a shepherd who has a rod. The rod not only whips the sheep where they need to be whipped, the rod defends from wolves that would come and fight, and the rod is a tool that is used to point sheep in the direction they are to go. So yes, the rod is to spank, but the rod is also to point, and the rod is to defend. That's what God has said. Oh, another way, so not only if you want to let them get away with time and time again, have no consequence for their actions, if you want to provoke your children to wrath, be inconsistent. Be terribly inconsistent. Tell them they can't get away with it in this setting, but then in this setting, they can get away with it. Inconsistent. That's just going to confuse our kids. Fathers, you are the leaders. And you are the leader of the home. And you need to sit down with your wife and literally, literally get on the same page. Like biblically same page. If your wife doesn't like spanking or if you don't like spanking, change your mind because this is what God has said. And find and develop a method together so that together you can consistently rear up your children, raise up your children. Being diligent, being consistent. Because being consistent and diligent is a surefire way not to provoke your children. So, verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. We are to avoid provoking our kids so that they would not be discouraged, which means what? What does that mean then? Fathers, you are to nurture, to build up, and to train your child or children, your keiki. 
And so if you are to glorify God in your parenting, yes, you should discipline. And we're going somewhere with this. Yes, you should discipline, but you should also disciple. Yes, you should use the rod, but let the rod be a tool that you use to point your children in the direction they are to go. We don't parent, and here's the, the, really the big idea. We don't parent just to refrain our kids from certain actions, but we parent our children towards Jesus. We point our children towards Jesus. Deal with the problems. But listen, if the only attention your kids are getting from you is when there is a problem, you are only adding fire to the fuel of rebellion. And oftentimes that is a, the very, the only time I do give my kids attention at times, especially after work. When I go home at work, I just want to chill out, relax, rest, enjoy myself. But man, I, I don't turn off, you know, that side of my brain where is the work's done when I get home. No, work continues when I get home. Work continues when I go in the home. And, and if I'm only giving my kids attention when they're doing something wrong, I notice they continue to desire attention by being more rebellious. And it's just this quick, wicked, downroll spiral of which I am adding fuel to that fire. Let us equally encourage, pour into, and build up our kids. Uh, my kid, Curran, um, uh, he's in kindergarten, and he just started kindergarten, and so... Uh, they have this thing at the school he goes to where they have like these different color codes for your moral behavior. And I, I'm not putting it down at all. Like if I was a teacher with all those kids, I would do something like that too by all means. But I was talking to him and I was like, hey, so, um, so you know, how'd school go today? Like what, 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 what level were you, what color were you on? And he said, I was on green, which is sad, which green is like not great, but not bad. It's just whatever, you know? There's like green, silver, bronze, gold, I think. And I was like, okay. And so he was, he was honestly bummed and crushed and because and he wants to do well. And honestly, he wants to please us as parents. But I said, hey, did you do your best today? Yeah. Okay. Were you, were you respecting it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what? Whether it be blue or gold or whatever, if you are doing your best, you are putting your effort in, you are asking God to help you, cool. No big deal. And all of a sudden, it wasn't like disciplinary action, but it was like, oh, wow, you're pouring into me. And he seriously, his, where he was at the table eating dinner, like all hunched over, he like leaned up and started talking to us again. It was like, man, God, oh, how I need to be mindful of how I can pour into and build up and encourage. If you are to glorify God in your parenting, not only should you discipline, but also disciple. Next, you should do this. Work is important, but work doesn't stop at work. Work continues when you get home. So whether you mean it or not, we can, as fathers, busy our lives so much that we forget to engage our children. I got to do the budget. I need to take care of this. I need to make sure these bills are paid. Now, all those things are important. I need to make sure I, I get this thing completed, this project done at work, even though it means overtime. Yes, all of those things are important, but they should not be at the expense of us shutting off and not pouring into our children. 
Oh, how we need to work. And so even, this is what I do. On the ride, car ride, home. I'm changing my mindset and I'm telling myself, all right, I'm not done. I am exhausted. I am emotionally spent. I have nothing left in me. But God, I'm going to go into that house and there are going to be kids that are going to run up to the door when I come in and let me grab them, throw them on the couch, wrestle with them. We don't have Barbies in our house. It's always... You know, it's not dandelions and daisies. It's death and more death in our house. So it's like get the guns out and, and fight each other and push each other down. And, and, and there are times when I, I don't. I just, I don't. But no, oh, how I need to when I get home, how we need to as fathers not turn off when we get home, but engage and pour into. Listen, God created your child for emotional attention. And that is not sinful. A lot of times, oh, I mean, I just, my kid, he just, he just wants me to fill up his cup of sin. Maybe he just wants to be loved because he was made in the image of God, just as you were when you were a kid. So be investing, be living with, be engaging your kids. And if you don't, listen, if you don't, they will look somewhere else for it. And this is especially true, not just for boys, for girls. Dads, and I'm even going to say now, I'm going to extend this. Spiritual fathers in the church. When I mean spiritual father, I mean if you're a little bit more seasoned in life, a little bit more seasoned in Christianity, welcome. You are a, you are a spiritual father to our church. Because we have many single and many young people in this church. But specifically even fathers right now. If you do not pour into your girl emotionally, she will find it somewhere else and will usually go to another man and it will most likely, more often than not, be an abusive relationship. Fathers, be appropriately physically affectionate with your children. Kiss them, hug them, love them. If you have boys, wrestle with them. If you have a girl and she wrestles, wrestle with her. (laughs) Pour into them, love them, cherish them. Fill them up with your words. If we are to glorify God in our parenting, dads, don't be president business. And yes, that is a reference to the Lego movie. Uh, If you haven't seen the Lego movie, um, let me just catch you up. Briefly, I'm not going to spoil the movie. Well, I'm going to spoil it. Dang it, I'm going to spoil it for you. I hate spoiling movies for people. Are you ready for it? If you don't want it, just plug your ears. Okay. The, there, some people are like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. At the end of the movie, um, President Business is, is the bad guy and the Lego character. But, but it's more than just Legos fighting against each other, but it is actually a son fighting his father. And, and, and at the end of the movie, they're, they're there in the basement, and the son and the father like, are, are going at it. And, 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 and you know, it's interesting that the kid named the enemy referencing his dad, President Business. Because his dad said, these are my Legos. These are my toys. And, then, and, and, and it's funny because in the movie, the kid's like, yeah, but dad, the box says ages six to 12. He's like, well, yeah, that's just a suggestion or whatever. <laughs> but these are, these are mine. This is for me and you can't have fun with my stuff and we can't have fun. And President Business. And I'm not gonna spoil what, what happens for you. You have to watch that. And if you're a young father and maybe you haven't seen the movie, man, maybe you are president business, right? 
or I'm not saying you have to go see the movie to be fun, but a lot of dads are just business. Some dad just, you know, you get in a pool and a noodle and some kids now, we don't know, you don't know what to do. Like, man, be fun. Honestly, dads, I'm giving you an excuse. Be crazy, be wild, have fun. Do weird stuff with your kids. Mess around with them, joke with them. Have fun with them. You don't have to be president of business. There's a time to, there's a time to work, but there's a time to play. And dads, and let your kids enjoy you because we have a heavenly father who's made himself available to us who we get to enjoy. Be fun, be creative. And dads, if you are making memories and loving your kids, hear me out, when you discipline them, when discipline is needed, they will more easily receive the discipline because you are loving them. This is how God works. Hebrews 12, 16, 12, 6, the Lord disciplines whom he loves and he chastises every son he receives. The Lord disciplines those he loves. We discipline out of love. So if you are to glorify God in your parenting, lastly, be a repentant parent. Be a repentant parent. If you don't want to provoke your children to wrath, don't be quick to point out your kid's sin and fail to reveal your own sin to them. And parents, we can be really good at saying, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this. this." And so even when my kids are struggling with something, like for example, even this morning, this morning, getting ready for church, it's like it's Sunday. Can you guys just put on your holiness today and like let it slide for the rest of the week? Kind of, I'm pretty much kidding, but really it's Sunday morning and, and one of the kids didn't want to share one of his toy cars. And it said, hey, listen, I know, I know what you're going through. I don't like sharing sometimes too. Sometimes I want life to be all about me. I struggle with that. You know, sometimes I want things for myself and I don't like sharing things and I don't like giving things to others. So guess what? I need, I need help too. Listen, your kids are going to let you down. You are going to sin against them. You are going to fall short of being the perfect parent. So when you do, repent. Tell your kids you were wrong. I mean, honestly, I mean, I've made, I, I, you know, my wife and I have had conversations and, and, and I wasn't the nicest to my wife. And I've had to tell the kids, hey, you know what? Daddy wasn't super nice there. The tone that I was speaking in wasn't pleasing to God. It wasn't helpful to my wife. And then not only did it hurt you, it, it, her, it hurt me and it hurt you guys. I'm sorry. Daddy's a sinner. And it's awesome. Like, so the kids have picked up on the fact that daddy and mommy are a sinner. And so you know, we used to pray very much for the older two specifically. We would pray for them before they would put their heads down to, to bed at night. And now they said, hey, dad, mom, can I pray for you? And they say this, almost the same prayer that we say for them, that they say for us. God, would you save mom and dad from their sin? <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> oh, man. See, parenting is more than lectures and discipline. It's not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. 
It's not about modifying behaviors so they are perfect little minions that everyone else, all the other parents are envious of how perfect their, your kids are or my kids are. Your main responsibility as a parent is to reveal your kid's sin and to point them to Jesus who is their remedy for the sin they are struggling with. The utmost of parenting is showing your kids their desperate need for the gospel. And one of the best ways you can do that is by showing them that you have a need for the gospel just like them, that you are a sinner in need of grace just like them, and that we are in this struggle together. Together we are sinners. Together we will fill and fall short of the glory of God. And together we will fail one another. And together we can look to Jesus, who is our only hope, who can save us from the grips of our sin. Give your kids the gospel, because God, your Father, has given you Jesus. This is the good news. And listen, closing thought. I know we've gone long today. Closing thought. If you've had a father who has failed you, left you, or abandon you. So maybe divorce, walked away, completely abandoned, or maybe in the house, but he has emotionally disengaged himself from you, which in today's culture is more common than not. You have a heavenly father this morning. You have a heavenly father, and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never stop loving you. He will never stop forgiving you. He will never let you down because God, who is your father in heaven, will never, ever fail you. He is your father, and you are his kid, and you can trust in him. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the scriptures. God, thank you that you never fail us and that the gospel, the gospel of grace, the good news that we are not perfect, but that you are and that Jesus, you are the remedy of all sin can enable us and empower us in times of difficulty and in times of frustration and in times of sadness and even in times of joy whether it be through our parenting, whether it be through our own life. And so God, this morning, maybe there are those who hold bitterness against their father or their mother. Maybe their parents are even even passed away, but there are still sins, still words that have been said. God, may all of us as kids, your kids, forgive Listen, maybe, maybe there's something this morning for you right now in this moment that, that you have something between you and dad, your earthly father. Forgive. Let that thing go and give it to the hands of God. And God, we do pray for our children. We pray for their well-being. We pray that they would come to enjoy relationship with you. And that we would, as parents, glorify you by pointing them to yourself. God, thank you for giving yourself to us and making yourself available. Not just disciplining us, but disciplining us in love and pointing us towards you. Thank you for every person in here. And God, would you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope that Jesus is doing a work in your life from the message that you just heard. We would love to hear how you were impacted and what was impressed on your heart. 
Share your story by emailing connect at shorebreakchurch.com. And if you don't know Jesus as God, Lord and Savior, or you have more questions, send us an email to info at shorebreakchurch.com so we can get you dialed in with a free Bible and resources for your new relationship with Jesus.